0: Hej och välkomna till Musikproddpodden. Idag blir det en liten specialare. Vi eller jag har åkt till Los Angeles och sitter här med en gäst så från och med nu så kommer det här avsnittet vara på engelska. Ni får stå ut med mitt uttal. Hi and welcome to this episode Sean Tolman.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be on the number 1 podcast in Sweden for oh, music.
0: Wow. Yes, we're right now in the Universal's publishing studios, Yes, of which you are the engineer.
1: I'm the engineer. I'm, I'm helping you out, and you don't need much help. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but you've been doing some serious stuff for us, though. We came here into this room, and you had the piano already mic'd up, a drum kit mic'd up, and everything was just like so perfectly oh, sounding from, thank you. from the start. We always start our episodes with like a short info box. Okay. About you. Um, sure. So
1: without further ado, age? I'm 41. Where did you grow up? Uh, Maui, Hawaii. Nice. Where do you live now? I live in Malibu, California. Also nice. Your family? I'm married. I uh, have a daughter who's nine. The rest of the family's back in Hawaii, uh, having a much more mellow life than mine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what kind of education you got? Do you have uh, Well uh, shoot, I went to school like every other American. I did graduate early because yep. in Hawaii, the school system is really bad. like uh, there was kids in my school in my like, ninth grade class that couldn't read oh, and wow I, and all kinds of crazy stuff. It's education, particularly for Native Hawaiians, especially at that time, was uh, not looked as anything. Important because you're going to get either a job at the, the sugarcane fields in a pineapple plantation, yeah, or at a hotel. Oh, wow! So, yeah, there's an there interest, it's changed quite a bit in the last 30 years. So, so, your
0: journey here is quite different from many of your classmates,
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, school I graduated early because I told my parents this is bullshit, yeah, and they let me go to a school for at risk youth even though I wasn't really at risk, yeah. and so I graduated. I did the rest of the three years in six months and then went to college. I was too young to go to college. I moved to, here to the mainland yeah, and started working in a studio and then uh, saved up enough money to go to an uh, audio school. I went to SAE. Oh, wow. Yeah, and moved after what kind that. of
0: What kind of SAE? They have different programs, don't they?
1: Yeah, I went to the SAE uh, in Sydney, in Australia. Yep. And I did the, at the time, it was like a two-year degree that you do and you know, I think it, we did it in a year and a half. And was loving life in Sydney and hanging out and working at a great studio uh, and just met uh, the girl I was with at the time, met a producer from LA. And he was like, what the fuck are you doing with your life, Sean? <laughs> yeah, and I was perfectly fine with it, honestly. I was like, hey, man, I'm, I work in a nightclub. I work at a studio. I go to the beach all the time. Yeah, life, is, life. <laughs> life is great. But he said, you know, you're never going to work on any big records. From fr- Australia. From Australia, which he was 100% right. So I made the move to LA. And when was that? That was in 2001 when I moved here.
0: So you've been here Almost, not 20 years, but Damn going, close. going strong. <laughs> yeah.
1: Damn close. <laughs> yeah. W- when the wheels touch down, I'm home. You know, I, I still have my home where I grew up, but LA is home.
0: Yeah. Uh, do you have any hobbies uh, apart from apart from the obvious Ooh, shit. music shit?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love the outdoors and hiking and I, I grew up in nature, so I love that. I love the beach. I love to surf. I love to play sports. Yeah. Yeah. There's plenty of that here. Yeah, L.A. is wonderful for that, you know. It's like we were talking before, it's a very work-centric place, so you have to make yourself time to do that. Otherwise, you will work all the time because the hustle is real here. Yeah, <laughs> that <laughs> is
0: true. I've never heard the word
1: hike as many times as being in L.A. Yeah, it's it's a religion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, where I go, you know, I'm one of the cool guys, of course. But, Naturally. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, everybody hikes here because yeah. it's the thing to do. Because there's, there's a big mountain range that runs in the middle of Los Angeles. So what are you going to do? You might as well go up it.
0: Yeah. And like hiking is basically just going for a long walk
1: yeah, outside of the city. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, L.A. is good like that. The Griffith Park, where, close to where you're staying yeah. in Hollywood, is the largest urban park in the United States. So it's really, really big. I mean, you can hiking it all day and feel like you're not even in the city unless you're, you know, looking far off into the distance. That's
0: pretty cool. Yeah. So on to the next question. Who do you consider being the world's best producer?
1: (sighs) I mean, I don't think that world's best producer...
0: It's a tough question.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think there was. it depends on the era that you're that you're talking about. I mean, if you go back to the 1950s, it wasn't about the producer, it was about the arranger. Yeah. About the songwriter, the arranger, the producer came in to make sure that they didn't fuck up their vision, you know. And then the 60s and it was a, a bit similar and then when the 70s came in, it changed the dynamic of the producer being a more part of the songwriting experience, you know. It'll also be kind of a star. And also being a star, Phil Spector, his yeah. crazy ass is the one who made being a producer cool, you know, for better or for worse. You know, nobody knew what a producer did unless you were in the business, Yeah, you know, before him. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it's like mastering also in a bit, like it, it was originally just one of those technical things that had to be done, and now you can select an engineer that actually does a sound. Yeah, rather yeah. Than
1: you're able to pick out the people that you want. So, I mean, of course there's the obvious Quincy Jones is one of the best arrangers producers. Yeah. Ever. So, I mean, and then you have your hip hop uh, producers, rock producers. I don't think that you could put a Terry date in the same room, you know, who did Deftones and yeah. did all those big rock records in the late nineties. And the early O's. you can't put him in with the urban artists of that same era. And you're going to get the same thing. So yeah. it's it's all about the combination of the artist, the songs, and then the producer. In
0: so the- that's a long, long way of saying, no, I cannot name one, that is one a really- single person. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And fun fact, opposite to where we are right now, Dr. Dre is building his new studio, you told me.
1: Yes. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yep. Yeah. They tore it down. And they're building it back up again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a massive lot, and like the yeah. house looks—it's
1: going to be big. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely going to work there at some point. Probably, you know? yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if you had like, did you have a big moment in music? Like, like that changed my perspective on stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I was super lucky because there's two things. You know, I grew up playing music. I grew up recording myself. I grew up, you know, doing live sound for bands and stuff. Yeah. And so when I did get a chance to go to a studio here in LA, I jumped ahead of a lot of the people in line, which pissed a lot of people off. And was it
0: because of that producer that I, brought you from Australia? No,
1: no. I think it was the fact of just having a lot more practical experience than most people coming out of a trade school, oh, you know, yeah. have. Which, at the time, was different than now, where everybody can produce from a laptop. You know, a $300 laptop is good enough to make a hit record. You know, we're, still, we're still cutting to tape. You know, you had to mix on a console. There was no option. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the big moment in my life is when the studio manager took a chance on me, and the first session I ever did was for Eminem and Dr. Dre. I no mean, way. Yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. How was that? Amazing. Yeah, that's life-changing and just getting opportunities like that are what set set me in motion to continue on doing what I do, yeah. you know.
0: And just to clarify to the Swedish audience like because we in Sweden we don't normally have engineers in the studio that that come with the studio and like everyone is like a complete you have to know everything.
1: Yeah, that, that that's a interesting thing about the United States is that we're you kind of
0: separate divisions. It's, like, yes,
1: div- it's very much more specialized, I'd yeah. say. But, I mean, you Swedes, you guys make great records. So I mean, Yeah, but it's
0: like you said. You, we come here and we don't need much much help, really, when, once we get going because we're kind of self-sufficient yeah, absolutely. In, in our, on our own, which I guess is kind of different from American producers or, yeah. or artists.
1: Yeah, I mean, you have your... Obviously, you have producers in the United States that are great engineers as well. But it's usually in the rock world and that. For pop music, it's very much separated. The producer sits in the table in the back. Yeah. (laughs) And he's got all his keyboards and his guitar, and he writes the record. And I sit in front of the console, and we work together. Oh, yeah. You know, we go back and forth. He makes the music in whatever DA he you know, makes it in, yeah, and then it gets sent to me. You know, the stems are a two-track, and we'll start. You know, depending on what we're doing that day, we'll then we'll dump it into Pro Tools, and it'll end up living in Pro Tools. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of a different scenario, and it's quite it's quite nice. Yeah, I mean, if you have a great engineer, I mean, not to not to. Beef yourself up. Beef off. myself up too much, you know. <laughs> but if you have a great engineer, your records are going to sound better. Of course, because you know, uh, an engineer who knows what they're doing and is able to help replicate the emotion that you're trying to get. Yeah. In a, a, I guess a tech, a more technical way, it's your records are going to sound great. You always wonder why does this record sound great? Oh well, because this producer, this engineer, yeah, this thing. Oh, that's why it sounds great. You know. I think it helps to bring a you know, a congruity to everything. Yeah. You
0: know? I think it's also like the reason why we don't have that in Sweden as much. It it does exist, but like it's because of money also. It's like it costs a lot to have two people doing what one person could possibly do. Yeah, sure. Someone needs to front that cash in in order for to just provide the room with an engineer, producer and the console and, and just there's the space.
1: Yeah, I mean I think the economics are certainly different between yeah. the American music business and, you know, the the European market or the Asian market, you know. Very. The the Koreans will fly you there. All day long, if you're a producer or a songwriter, and put you up in a five star hotel, but they'll never fly the engineer there. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> yeah, it's just one of the things. Or, you know, I used to go and work occasionally in France, and I almost felt a little guilty because the guy working there was probably a better engineer at the time than I was because I was like 25 and just working on rap records, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> You know, he probably really knew what to do. You yeah. know, but they flew me all the way there to to do stuff. You know, but yeah, but you you kind of want to be around
0: people you trust. That's sure, that's basically the whole thing of music making.
1: Yeah, yeah, and
0: at least in my experience, like you don't have to be the best. You just have to be one of those that people trust your judgment and your like your skills, whatever they are.
1: Yeah, people that you can trust their taste. Because yeah. it all boils down to taste in yeah. the end. It really does. Everything is about taste, whether how you write a record, the lyrics you choose. Yeah.
0: We kind of diverted away from the, the fact thing. So, oh, okay. um, coming back to it, how old were you when you f- did your first sound job or music job? Like I mean, getting paid? Like, to... really getting paid? No, was... Not much. It can be like five bucks, but just. Oh,
1: probably when I was like 17. Or so, yeah. Because I used to in yeah. Maui. Yeah, I mean, we used to throw parties on the beach there a lot and have DJs and Sounds bands. Terrible! And st- it was horrible, <laughs> horrifying. I don't, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing in this windowless room right now. That's where I should be. But, we have plenty of windows, but they only lead to other rooms. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> so yeah, that's the first time I made any money, any dough. You yeah. know, was being a promoter slash live sound guy slash i think even dj'd and i hired other djs to go there you know so. sounds fun though As a 17 year old that's a dream yeah it's fucking awesome
0: and to conclude the fact box what will your uh, gravestone say
1: oh god i don't know <laughs> it's a little macabre but uh <laughs> yes we're from sweden we're
0: it's kind i know of dark there. it's cold and dark <laughs> it's and dark
1: I don't know because, I mean, I have so much more to do that I don't want to just I, – I can't answer that because I have so much more to do that I don't think that there's anything in my life right now that has defined me. I'm continuing to evolve. So, you know, died such and such, born such and such, good guy. <laughs> yeah. There you go. An emoji with thumbs up. Yeah, emoji, <laughs> thumbs up. Yeah. well And then behind the gravestone, I want a big middle finger, fuck you. <laughs> no, I'm joking. That's good, though. <laughs>
0: So um, your first session as an engineer in LA was with Eminem and Dr. Dre. Yes, that's quite a big one.
1: I was scared out of my mind. Yeah, yeah. I think I, my hands were shak- like shaking. Obviously, you know? was, yeah. Yeah. What was I, the
0: project that they were doing then? Was uh, it like the? It was
1: the music for Eight Mile. Oh wow! So it was funny because you know, as sitting being a re- retarded American in Australia drinking too much beer, I was in love with Eminem, uh, his second album. So it was fucking mind blowing that like that record came out like six months before I worked with him. So I was listening to his record on a fucking disc man on the beach. Yeah. And then I was <laughs> in the room with him, you know, and he was cracking jokes.
0: It was amazing. Cool. Did you, did you engineer that whole album?
1: No, I just did. What I did is I did like a couple days with them and yeah. then I didn't fuck up. So then I continued on being able to get those type of opportunities through the studio I was working at.
0: Cool. Where did they end up next?
1: Well, that was at Larrabee. That's really where I came up. It's a studio called Larrabee. And at the time, they had, I think, seven rooms in three different locations. Wow. So it was really the best training ground that you could possibly imagine. Uh, One day, I'd be working with someone like Dre or one of his producers. The next day, I'd be working with you know Rod Stewart. You oh know, wow! doing quite yeah wide. so it was like Line yeah yeah so that was a huge deal as far as my development and you know I came up assisting and doing assisting sessions for uh, mix engineers other mix engineers and then I would get the recording work as well because that's another thing here in America there's a bit of a tier system as far as like what they allow you to do yeah like you kind of have to prove yourself as a recording engineer before someone's going to let you mix their album. Ah. Unless you come up under another mixer and are able to get work that way. You
0: know? Oh, yeah, like an assistant mixer to, yeah. to someone yeah. already doing it. Yeah. yeah,
1: and I did that for several years, too, but uh, decided you know that it was probably a better... I learned a lot and had a great time, but it was time to break out and do my, do my own thing.
0: Yeah, and did you then build your own space... Uh, because right now you have a pretty nice room.
1: Yeah. Right now I built a room at my house that I'm working out of mostly, which is a nice room. It's a hybrid setup running Pro Tools Ultimate. And I, you know, have a ton of outboard compressors and EQs and all that jazz. And, yeah. Yeah. We're,
0: we're going to come to that in, okay. uh,
1: in a minute. Okay. That's
0: interesting stuff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of engineering sessions, how do a session with like, Dr. Dre and Rod Stewart differ for
1: you. Fuck. It's totally different. You know, is it
0: different skill sets? Is it it's like a
1: totally different skill set. It's the, the same thing that you have to take to every session is knowing what people want. Yeah. You, you, you could be recording bluegrass one day. Well, that's how those bluegrass players want to play. You work on a session with Dr. Dre or um, a other rap, a rap, or, yeah. you know, in that genre, like they want the low end got to feel a certain way. The, the vocals got to sit a certain way, and you have to know how to slip into that form. And the way you do that is by being a fan of music and listening to lots of music. So, you know.
0: And and also, I guess, being able to analyze what's going on in that music that you're listening to so you can take something away from it and sure. like, learn something.
1: Sure. You know, like working with Rod Stewart, yeah, you got to know how to record uh, horns, you know, oh, that yeah. day. And then you got to be able to record a vocal for him. And there's, you're only getting five takes, so you can't fuck that up. He doesn't do more than five takes ever. Really? Yeah.
0: That sounds like solid, solid yeah. thinking. And he
1: drinks rum, and he's a fucking beast. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of
0: our listeners do like rap and hip hop and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. If you would like, just go through a really good kind of vocal chain for a rap vocal for rap vocal. Yeah.
1: What kind of mic to would record? You, yeah. Okay. For for recording. Wrap stuff my favorite mic is either a U67 or a C800G yeah i also it's pretty think pretty
0: hype mic the sony one
1: the sony one's super hype but it's perfect for rappers cuz it can handle a ton of SPL yeah and i would go either into a neat one of my neve pr- mic pre's i have some 1272 neves yeah into a some sort of tube compressor you know a CL1B or uh, i have a modified TLA100 that i usually take with me yeah and then into whatever DAW they're using. Minimal compression, unless they're trying to get an effect, and do the rest in the box or with outboard gear. Yeah, cool. And,
0: and after you have recorded them, and if you're tasked with mixing the vocal,
1: what do mm-hmm. you do then? Well, OK, this is, <laughs> this is going to be a long answer. So the first thing I do, actually, when I start any mix, is I always start with the vocal first. Yeah. I don't mix instrumental albums. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the title of this episode. I do not mix instrumental albums. Yeah. Um, the first thing I do is listen to it and I try to think about the emotion of what whatever the, the lyric is about, yeah. you know? Which is hard sometimes if you mix something that's in a foreign language, you know? You can't get you do that all about- the nuance. I, I have before, you know? You don't get all the nuance of everything, of no. course.
0: It's kind of like me listening to you right now. I get like 5% of what you're saying.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, man.
1: So I listen to it. I get a vibe for it. And then the first thing that I'll do is I use the uh, Wave C1 compressor. Yeah. And I will go and find all the, the annoying spots in that person's vocal. Usually... Right around 2k, two to anywhere from two to four k. There's a, a thing in there to my ears hurts my ears. Mm. So I'll turn up the speakers, which I use NS10s pretty religiously, and I'll just search around and find the frequency that I don't like, and then I just activate a side chain. So whenever he goes there, it hits that hits in that frequency range. Oh. Conversely, I I use another C1 plugin side chain plugin, and I go down and I find out where the dirty, boxy part of their vocal is. Yeah. anywhere from, It's anywhere from 500 down to maybe 200, the very lowest. And I'll dip that out so when they have the proximity effect thing yeah. going on, <laughs> it'll cut it out, but it won't affect the overall character. And the reason I do that is so I don't have to over-EQ things.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. But isn't that like doing a manual
1: multiband
0: it's, yeah, I just,
1: yeah, it is like multiband. It's exactly like, it is multiband compression. I just find it's easier with, you can also use the C6 or the C4, both by waves. For me, in my process, there's usually not, unless the r- vocal's recorded really badly, there's only a couple spots that really yeah, yeah. need that, you know? And if there is more than two spots, then I will use a C4 or C C6, oh, you yeah. know?
0: Have you tried the new uh, FabFilter Pro Q3? I haven't. It has a dynamic option, so you can actually have a band be a compressor too. Oh, cool! It and and it's very visual, so you really see like the peaks.
1: Oh, I'll, I'll download it. Can and try highly it. recommend it. Yeah,
0: we've we've spoken about this in in our show almost way too much. We're ad nauseum. Big, <laughs> yeah, we're big fans of FabFilter. We're not. We're I'm not, a
1: big fan. I don't have any of their. I had some of their plugins, but I don't have any right now. Yeah. So you know if you're out there fab filter send me a code <laughs> send you a code <laughs> no we're
0: not we're not indoors by them in any way but we just like fab filter sound toys and waves yeah. that's kind of what everyone just have especially yeah. waves i guess even yeah. more in america waves is
1: everywhere it's every studio you go to it has waves on it yeah. it's pretty much the standard
0: yeah and then going back to the to the rap vocal yes. after the c1 Four or six. Yeah. Um,
1: So once I get rid of the ugly parts, then I will usually use I use the another Waves plugin called an R compressor. Yep. That's on a super high attack, like at fifty, and then a really long release, maybe one and a half to one ratio. How do How
0: do you think that differs from like the R Vox? Because that's even simpler.
1: Just just wait. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) sorry that. Is just barely giving it maybe one to two dB of compression, and it's just smoothing it out. Yeah, especially you don't necessarily need to do this one with rap, but I want your listeners to know what I would normally do. So then it, from there it goes to an eleven seventy six. Yeah, to a uh, SSL EQ, and then it goes to a deesser. Yeah, which one? I'm a big fan of the EOSIS deesser. Yeah, um, I'm a big fan of the Slate stuff in general. It really does sound like the gear, yeah. like the UAD stuff. It's just not quite as expensive, or you know. So that's a good thing.
0: But Slate, they're onto the subscription model, aren't they? They
1: are. I don't mind giving them. I think it's like twenty dollars a month. Yeah. yeah, they make me a lot of money. That's so. true. And then from there it goes to a deesser, and then it goes to an Arvox.
0: To after. another dsr. so you have two. No,
1: no, one DSR yep. and then to an Arvox after that. That's oh, doing yeah, the after final, that. Doing the do final the gating and limiting for the ah. vocal. And the Arvox is fantastic, because it can really bring the vocal up front. Yeah. You know, it's really great, and it's aggressive, you it's know. It's really aggressive. But it, yeah. it,
0: it, even for pop music, I, like, I use it all the time, and we have several guests who just it's the
1: go-to vocal processor yeah yeah it's it's really the best one i've been using it for years like other stuff has changed but the only things that really stay the same are the R-Vox and the r compressor <laughs> <laughs> and the c1 perhaps yeah yeah there's a another mixer uh that i learned about the multi-band compression he did, used to do it on the console and mm-hmm. that's how i really learned it learned about it you know that's was a hardcore I stole, way of doing it. I, I stole his his good idea, essentially. You but know? you
0: converted it into a plugin chain that exactly. is highly yeah. customizable.
1: Yeah, exactly. So uh, it's really hard on the console. It takes up five channels to be able to do
0: what two plugins. <laughs> and if you have like a twenty four channel console, yeah, that's it. That's it. Wow. And in what way do you think mixing? non-rap vocals is a chain very similar to this is this like your vocal
1: chain ish well it is i mean it changes certainly with rap vocals and especially now everything is hyper compressed there's uh, a lot of 4k put into to the vocals in a lot of rap stuff and i think it's because that's where a lot of presets are Mm-hmm. Because it sounds exciting <laughs> when someone puts a preset on, so it's actually changed the way that pop music sounds. Is a lot of the Waves presets, I'll actually like hear them on the radio, and oh, I'll wow. think, oh, the mixer got this session. It had the vocal chain on there. He probably just cleaned it up a little bit and we'll let it and we'll let, let it, f- it ride. Yeah, yeah. You know, but I, I think if you're working with like a singer, you have to be more cognizant of not overcompressing because you'll take the emotion out of the vocal with pop music, I rely more on doing rides with the fader for the vocal. Yeah. Where rap can kind of
0: like in, inside the, com- like having like a vocal rider.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I actually have a PreSonus fader port. Oh, fader fader oh, yeah. port. It's fantastic. It's it feels great. It works well. And, uh, yeah, but I'm just more aware when you're working on pop that, you got to do a little more heavy lifting. You can't yourself. You can't just rely on the compressor to, to do all the work yeah. for you. Do you
0: rehearse the right? You do. No, I just do them. You just do them, yeah. And
1: if I fuck up, then I just hit undo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the convenience of modern music music making.
1: Yeah, I mean, I grew up mixing on the console. It was way more time consuming, you know. So I guess I I just learned the feel of it of Doing it live with the automation on the SSL, either the G or the or the J. Yeah. Those are my two. I like the K as well, but I didn't. I haven't really used it that much, just because the the I kind of switched to the hybrid system as those big consoles were kind of rolling out of style. You yeah, know? you can still go work on them if you have want to spend an extra two grand a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but
0: like here we we're in the room we're in right now. There's a, what is it, 24-channel f- plus a couple of groups Yeah. API t- console.
1: Yeah, this is one of the best consoles in LA, actually, just because it, it's really well looked after. It's looked after like an old antique. You yeah. Know, the studio manager here really looks after it. Yeah. It, is,
0: it is quite, like, for me, I'm very used to being in the box completely and just having an interface and maybe a couple of, like, preamps, yeah, and EQs and stuff. It's quite noisy if you compare it to Oh yeah. To like just having a super clean signal chain. so if you hear some noise on this recording, it's from the API.
1: Yeah. Well, there's a lot of power going through there. And that's what that makes noise, but it also is what gives it the tone. Yeah. You know, there's something to be said to having that many transistors. And capacitors all working at the same time, shit's going to be noisy. Of course, but it's vibey. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: true. Yeah. We, we've had that discussion so many times in this in this show. Also, like, what's the difference between anal- like real analog output gear and plugins? And, yeah. and the answer is vibe a lot of the time.
1: Yeah, there's a thing. Like with certain things, you know, when you're used to hearing it, it's almost like listening for the electronics almost only. You know, like you can. You know, you can duplicate the EQ curve of anything that you want, or you can take an impulse of anything you want, but is it going to be exactly the same. You know, I think the guys at Slate do a great job. I think the guys at UAD do a really good job as well. They do. But... You know, it's 2019. Not everything needs to be vibey. So I think you need to pick your weapons. Yeah, yeah. You know? Some things can be surgical and super clean. Yeah, I wouldn't want to mix a modern song on this console like you would have done 20 years ago. Yeah, I would never do it in a million years. When I mix in this room, I use two channels and mix in the box <laughs> and bring some outboard gear and run the vocals through some outboard if if it needs it. And beyond that, I'm still yeah, I'm using two channels as well.
0: Yeah just as me and Bruce are doing here.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we
0: have the biggest console, and we use four channels.
1: This isn't even a big console. When you go into the SSL rooms where it's like a 96 channel, and they're using two faders, that's when it gets really sad. This year, actually, you guys are recording piano. You guys are doing some guitar. or you didn't do guitars, but... We talked are,
0: about doing guitars. Talked about doing guitars. <laughs> that's good enough.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's out in the air. You, w- you will do guitars in the next few days.
0: Yeah, probably, yeah. No. Would you say that, like generally speaking, is the biggest change in engineering since you started, like moving away from gear and in, in just into the box?
1: The time involved. Yeah. Like for me to, 15 years ago when I was mixing on SSL, to make a change to a mix was a half day proposition. To mm. turn the hi hat up or to change a vocal was a half day thing. I have to rent the same room rent the same gear try to get the same assistant hopefully to help me set it up you know oh, hopefully yeah. their documentation was correct hopefully you know maybe i could do it on stems but oh shit channel 32 is noisy but you couldn't hear it so i can't do that so you have to do a full board recall you know there it was a pain in the ass oh you know my God. and i mean it was even worse with tape the artist would come in to sing a hook on a song and then leave and then the engineers Would sit around for the rest of the day flying the parts around on the twenty four track or on you know on a forty eight track tape, and then doing the mathematics to figure out the sync times and all that. Now I can do I can fly parts down while I'm recording somebody. Yeah. The other hand, though, the one thing though about mixing a song on a board is that you can do three things at once, which it took me a long time to get used to when mixing in the box of, okay, I'm going to do this. Okay, I'm going to do that. Okay, I'll do this.
0: What do you mean? They're doing three things at once?
1: Well, if you're mixing on a big format console, you can be EQing the kick drum while you're bringing the bass fader up and making sure they sync together and EQing the bass and the kick together so they're not overlapping in the frequencies. And while you're thinking about how that's feeling, you're already putting up the lead vocal to make sure that that's cool. You know, Mm. and you're able to, it creates a bit of a more of a performance, I guess, that you can create out of the mix a little bit because the spontaneity is there. You know, like it's a little bit more spontaneous than just working in the box. Okay, I'm going to EQ the kick. Now I'm going to put up the bass. Now I'm going to put up the vocal. Now I'm going to do this
0: that is actually true i've I've never been a console worker at all in my life, so I've only experienced the computer version of it yeah and and it's like you build a queue in your head of stuff you need to do, yeah, and then you sort them out one by one, and then new things arise, and then like you have this constant feeling of like, yeah, there's something that I need to do, but what was it yeah. <laughs> I remember it being very important, but I have no idea what it is,
1: sure, <laughs> sure, well, they say that uh people that are using the creative part of their brain experience memory loss it's actually a scientific <laughs> fact so you thank know. you for labeling it as memory <laughs>
0: loss. it <laughs> yeah. feels great yeah hey you know <laughs> but like what kind of if you speak of sessions that you get now compared to earlier because it feels like that's kind of the most interesting at least for me to hear mm-hmm. about the differences of of how a session was set up when for- you started out like the whole hip-hop thing Oh, and hip hop. Compared to, like, if you say hip hop session now to hip hop session back then.
1: Okay. Uh, or record- rap recording?
0: Yeah, re- recording or, or uh, just assisting in a, in a production. Or yeah. Whatever.
1: Well, there'd be a truck that would show up about two hours before with all the keyboards. Mm-hmm. So you'd set up probably about 20 keyboards, uh, roads, the MPC all coming out onto the console. Mm hmm. And, uh, you know, the producer would show up. We'd make sure everything's working. If we're working in Pro Tools, make sure the Pro Tools is locking to the console. Yeah. Making sure all the time codes are working together. Oh, wow. The co- time code going to the console. Say that they brought in a demo that it was done on a, a, a D88. That's going to really age me right there, <laughs> you know, on some digital tape. You had to make sure that that locked up to them. Then the production would start around a, you know, an ASR 10 or an MPC, and the producer would start to build the beat that way. Yeah. And uh, for those first, and while they're building that, the engineer would be on the board, at least in my experience and the people that trained me and what I learned, is you'd start EQing the sounds to the Pro Tools or two tape, like mm-hmm. the bass, the kicks, the snares. So when it got printed to the DAW, it, it, sounds... was, it was amazing with all the faders at zero. Oh, wow, yeah. So that in that way, the engineer and the producer worked a lot together in that kind of old-school way with all the outboard gear and all the problems you'd have to solve because... <laughs> Yeah, things. It was have just more the- shit. You know, you have more shit, and there's going to be more problems. More money, more problems, you know? So, flash forward 20 years later, almost, a uh, producer will show up with a little laptop and an interface, and there's less work for maybe someone like me in tracking sessions, which, you know, a lot of, at least the urban producers, will just come in with pre made tracks. Or even if they're coming in to make tracks, they're pretty much self-contained until you need to cut drums or cut the vocal or cut some guitars where you actually have to record stuff, you know. But there's certainly clients and people that I work with that while they're working, they'll be like, hey, you know, help me get this right. Do this. And I'll pop behind their screen and get their drums to hit harder because, you know they're smashing the mix bus because they're not thinking about that kind of stuff and all those things. (laughs) (laughs) You're like the first aid of of music making in the studio. (laughs) We
0: like, yes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, for those kind of recording sessions, it's like that. And certainly mixing is, you know, at least the labels and a lot of managers look at you as kind of the last line of defense for the record. Yeah. You can argue that a record's a hit without a great mix, but, which is true because there's tons of records on the radio right now that don't sound that great, that are hit records. Quite but, a lot. Quite a lot, but if, if you have a great song, a great mix is going to help you. you of know? course. So it's gonna, it can only help you. Yeah, you know? I
0: think we said that the other day, Like it's annoying as a producer to realize like, you're never better than the song you're producing. Yeah. It doesn't matter how good production you made, if the song is not good enough, it will never make it.
1: Yeah, uh, a hit record is something you can play on the guitar, Yeah, and it's still a hit record. That is, uh, I mean, a smash record. That, I think that that's... I, th- I don't
0: think everyone would agree with it, but I tend to think that way. Like, in sessions, let's make the song before we start doing a full-scale production, because then we'll just hide behind the production.
1: Yeah, I mean, 50% of the trap records out right now are because of the beat being banging, yeah. and not what the person's saying...
0: I happen to know that you have a pretty funny story about just that. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, you know, especially I was telling you the story earlier about probably the the state of the music business is like here in L.A. when it comes to certain people. I was working a session here, actually, across the hall in their Studio B and there's a couple really nice uh, songwriters, top line writers that showed up, had hit records under their belt. Yeah, were good at what they did. And a popular trap producer came in, and it was a very charming guy. Said he- hello to everybody in the room. Yeah. you know. And he came up to the songwriters and started to vibe with them, and started to say, "Hey, I have some ideas on my phone." What do you think? You can we go through some ideas? And there, of course, the songwriters wanted to listen to yeah, what of this guy has. He's got hit records on the radio, so he starts playing these loops off of his phone and like ideas and song ideas, so on and so forth. Just real simple stuff: eight bars here, you know, sixteen bars here. Yeah. And I happened to be looking over his shoulder, and he was playing loops off of Splice.
2: Oh, my God.
1: And they bought it. They said, oh, we love that one. We love that one. And they started already, I think the mic was already set up in the room, and they started to sing melodies straight away to it. Yeah. He downloaded the files off of Splice, sent them to me in an email. (laughs) And I loaded them up in the computer, and he turned around and he says, all right, send me the files. I have another session to go to. So nice. that's the level of what some people are operating at, you know, that you couldn't have gotten away with five years ago. No, that's true. But uh, I, I think in two di- completely different ways about this. One is, that's fucking great. It's fucking great. It's I amazing. Mean, you cannot knock that man's hustle. No. And I'm proud to have known the man. like yeah. that he, That's how what he thinks going to work is all about. And, and <laughs> it works. It works. They, w- they wrote a great song to it. You know? Of course it did, yeah. Because everyone
0: around that thing is professional, yeah. But it's it's still it's fucked up in so many
1: ways, and it's amazingly cool. It is. I think there's a lesson to be learned from that, that you know, about letting go and letting it be what it's going to be. Yeah. But there's also the lesson that like, if you really love something, do it well. It's kind of like connecting to that old. I think it's like
0: a meme now, even. I, I started playing the drums, but then I realized that it's cheating to to play on drums so I, that you bought at a store. So I started making my own drums. And then I realized, like, buying skins is, <laughs> is cheating. So I had to I had to get my own sheep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now, like, with all the sheep and things, I don't have much time to make music anymore.
1: Yeah. I mean, I always tell people, you know, songwriters, uh, you know, working with songwriters, and always come up to me, they're like, can you teach me how to use... Pro Tools or can you show me how to make a beat or stuff like that and I'm like don't try to learn and be creative at the same time yeah learn the program or whatever the medium is learn it and then your creativity can flow
0: yeah I I see what you mean but on the other end I think it might be you learn new things as your creativity directs you to like, Oh, I want to sure. be able to do this. And sure. I have no idea how to do it, but I know it has to be it somewhere. There is an option to do this.
1: Yes. No, you're, that's a hundred percent true. hundred percent true. I'm, I, I'm just saying like people are like uh, a songwriter wants to learn how to record their vocals. And yeah. then they're trying to write a song at the same time. They're trying to learn to write their vocals. And I always tell them like, take, take
0: uh, five days and learn how to do this and then write the song
1: yeah or i'm sure you have more than one song i'm sure you've, you're a songwriter you probably have 20 that you've never recorded yeah and do it with the one that's already written don't oh, yeah. don't do it at the same time it's just going to make you frustrated it's yeah. already
0: a frustrating experience recording stuff yes yeah, it is
1: it's horrifying <laughs> <laughs> that's why we chose to work with it yeah this is the life we chose <laughs>
0: So going back to your uh, studio at home, you said you had, like, a bunch of modified gear. You have, like, compressors and EQs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Just walk me through what, what's, what are the, the key things in your studio that you could not live without? Ooh. I guess you have a bunch of stuff yeah. could, you could live without, too.
1: Yeah. I have a Pioneer spring reverb that I definitely could not live without. Mm. I'm a huge fan of dub music. I grew up listening to reggae. Um You know, I was a huge fan of Lee Scratch Perry growing up when I was a kid, and that's the sound of his music. Yeah. Was that a consumer, the Pioneer one? It was a consumer. Back in the day, they would uh, sell this so people could put their hi-fi tapes through the spring reverb so it would sound live. (laughs) I shit you not. (laughs) Lee Scratch Perry was a smart man, and he figured out, you know, oh, I can put everything that I have musically through this, and it's going to sound awesome. Yeah, and he was right. (laughs) he was right. (laughs) Yeah, so I have that. There's a few mechanical things. Uh, You know, I have a Tascam tape machine. It's a dubbing machine that I use for creating. I use it for effects, you know, for tape saturation that I probably would never give up. Yeah. And also, you know, if I'm feeling really spicy, I'll make like some tape loops with it to mm. do something really weird. If I'm, it depends on what I'm working on. If I, if I have, you know, if I, it's a client that brings me our song to do that, I know that we have, he brings it to me for me to have full range yeah. over Just it creatively to and, do my thing. Then I'll start to maybe do some stuff like that. And I have a TLA 100, uh, which is made by Summit Audio that i Put a bunch of weird uh, tubes in, and also had the attack and release times modified. Wow. <laughs> that I probably wouldn't do without. I love the thing. And then probably the last thing is I have uh, two channels from uh, a Pacifica console. Yeah, that are amazing and sound great. Used them on. I've had them forever. Like pulled um, out of the console and put, yeah, like and, and racked. Yeah, yeah but I, I used them. I bought them for a Jill Scott album that I was doing because I we were doing a lot of kind of seventies esque, and Quad Eight is the company that designed those consoles in the seventies, and a lot of big seventies R and B songs were recorded, you know, and also just a lot of uh, songs that I really admire, and so.
0: How do they differ from like, say, an SSO?
1: They're a combination of if you could put a. Uh, an old late early 70s neve and combine it with a an api console from the 80s they would be an exact marriage of the two they'd be if you if they had a baby that's what this console would be oh, so wow. it's it's punchy like an api but it's still got the rounder bottom of a neve nice yeah yeah they sound really awesome i'll, I'll bring them in and you have two channels with that yeah that's amazing Yeah, so I use those a lot. Sometimes I'll just, depending if I'm working on something that's a little vibier, I'll just use them and run through the stereo bus, my stereo bus as an insert, a hardware insert through the electronics of that just to give it that vibe. And and that makes a difference. It makes a difference. That's cool. Yeah, it it will kind of, if I'm working on like a nice uh, big ballad with maybe like a, a piano and string arrangement, It just lends that kind of, it's kind of grainy, but with like a nice soft bottom on it, you know, if there's not a lot of drum stuff going on. So, yeah.
0: I think I understand what you mean.
1: Yeah. It was perfect for an artist like Jill Scott. Yeah. You know, so, you know, if you can think about how her records feel, like we used to use it a lot on her, two of her albums. That's cool.
0: Yeah. You mentioned you have NS10s. Mm-hmm. What other type of monitoring?
1: Right now I have set up, I have NS10s, I have uh, some Atom A7Xs that I love because they're uh, not fatiguing uh, at all. I have uh, two Bluetooth speakers set up and I have a pair of old events that I've had for since I was... Oh, which ones? they're the the 2020s from you know like 1999 i've had them forever
0: i started out with an event (laughs) three
1: system. oh cool yeah
0: Yeah. that was my first big like audio purchase yeah no they're great and now they're for sale if anyone want to buy them in sweden (laughs) hey
1: get it yeah and then i have several different headphones systems i also have this new system that i that I endorse. is by Oyo Audio, and they're they're actually a European company. Oh wait, what? Oyo Audio. O L L O. So, oh yeah. Or it's Olo or Oyo. I guess I just have lived close to Mexico for too long. Oh, yeah. So I'm saying yeah. Oyo. <laughs> Olo. Yeah. Olo. Where, I don't don't where know are they I, from? I believe. I don't think I've ever heard. of Yeah, him. I believe he is in is in Austria. If I'm not mistaken. Then I
0: would guess Olo. Yeah.
1: And not Oyo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's the Maui. I speaking. should know. I should know that. I know it is the Maui. But uh, they have a some of. The, if anybody's interested and in, and in works a lot from the home, they have a system that is amazing, and it's a bass cushion that you put on the back of your chair, or you can sit oh, on. it. Oh, I've seen those. And they make some of the best mixing headphones I've ever used. I mean, I, I can play you some songs that I just did with just headphones. Oh and wow, it's a fantastic system. So I also have that. Uh, at, at my home, so it studio. gives you like
0: bass feedback from.
1: Yeah, it's got a sub, a separate sub output. It comes with a headphone box, which sounds fantastic. It's got tons of gain, and yeah. it's got a separate sub out that is hooked by an XLR to this cushion <laughs> that you lean back on or sit on, yeah. and you get it. Sound it feels like you're listening to you know some Osprey, like, yeah, yeah Ospreys yeah. with subs. Wow, yeah, it's super vibey, and a lot of. People that I know that I've introduced to them are like, oh yeah, I'm in, I'm getting a pair. I'm getting a pair. Do they I'm cost a, a lot? A I think that they are right around 500 for the whole set, which That's isn't not too bad if you compare it to a monitor. Yeah, I mean, and I think it, you know the reason that I found this company is because I you know I have a wife. Who you know? I want her to love me, <laughs> but I also need to work. Sometimes, if I get something last minute that I can't book another studio for, I'm going to do it at my at my you know my room at the house. Yeah. And I want her to love me. So yeah. if, she's, if she's has to listen to a record 500 times, that has at a tendency to Eleven like, o'clock at night, she's going to kill me.
0: Yeah, there are few people who can handle listening to someone else's session going on and on and on and on without being involved in it
1: well especially because she's a fantastic singer so whenever i get this heavily auto-tuned melodyne record (laughs) she just (laughs) complains about it all day (laughs) oh that's great though (laughs) yeah it's awesome it's awesome she's got a great voice so so yeah that's what i that's that's a pretty sweet setup yeah but no console no Uh, It's, yeah, I have hard, I mean, I have, I do hardware inserts. What interface do you use? I use Apogee. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you have 16 in and out. Yeah, so. It gives
0: you plenty of room for inserts. Yeah, and
1: it's all clocked with uh, antelope clocking, and, you know, everything is talking to each other. So I keep it pretty tight. I've stopped doing so many hardware inserts, and I'm just tending now to just print uh, EQ. If I want to go reach for an EQ, for an API. Yeah then I'll just print it. But honestly, and I know this is for the the guys that have their own plugins, the mixers and stuff that have their own plugins, this is becoming less and less and less of a, a thing. The guys that are still mixing on the large format consoles with, you know, five assistants are using outboard less and less and less because uh, quite honestly, the plugins sound great. Yeah. They sound great. And you know. and even
0: like the, the really top-end mixer, like a while back we mixed a song with this pretty like acclaimed mixer guy. Mm-hmm. And we had one change to his mix and we got it sent back. And you could see on the waveform that he had not changed a bit. Yeah. Like it was a new print because he, he added some whatever thing it was in the verse, but the rest of it just cancels out flat to the previous mix. Really? Yeah. And... I was amazed. Like, how, how is that even possible? And it's probably because it's so much in the box that it's not even, it's not even the Vibe plugins. It's just like the straight calculation one that starts on a zero.
1: Yeah, and def- it could I- definitely be that. I was quite know. amazed.
0: Like, this level of a mixing guy clearly not giving a fuck about using the Vibe stuff. It's just like the surgical things. If that solves the problem, then that's good enough.
1: Yeah, you got to know your you got to know your tools, and yeah. that's what it is. It sounded you know, great though, so so no shame in that. But there's in, no we'll shame still- in that. You know, it doesn't matter if we have some old school hip hop fans listening to this. You know, DJ Quick, who's really famous here on the West Coast, he mixed his first two albums in his parents' living room, and at the time. They sounded fucking great yeah so they still do don't they, they still do yeah they <laughs> yes. still are awesome so i mean you know whatever gets the job whatever done the job you done, know yeah. sometimes like i like to go to studios and not bring my eye lock and see whatever they got how can i throw this together you know that's a nightmare though losing your eye lock yeah well no i i losing it in general but like i won't bring it you know, I'll just be like, okay, well, whatever they have, I'll make do with. You know, I know that they have this, I know they have that, but I don't necessarily need to do the same thing every single time, you yeah. know? I, I trust my ears. I know what I'm doing, I hope. Yeah. And I just make the, go with it. Like, for instance, this studio that we're in doesn't have any of the, like, specialty plug-in stuff that oh, I usually wow. use, but I'll come in here and mix a song. No problem.
0: In this studio, there are some pretty cool out. Art- outboard stuff too yeah there's like one of these gml eqs which are right behind me yeah i
1: was just looking at that they're one of the best ever yeah they break all the time but they're awesome they do yeah they break oh lot. no yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's an amazing person Mr. a yeah massenberg yeah yeah massenberg yeah have worked in nashville at blackbird which he helped design and it's amazing studio. I mean, here's a good story for you. I, yeah. the studio if anybody's a studio geek and wants to know about the best one of the best recording studios in the world, it's Blackbird Studios in Nashville. They Why? have 12 of everything. <laughs> and it's not 12 of just something. It's like 12 of the best of everything. I had to fly there several years ago to do some quick vocal overdubs for an artist that was on tour. And that's where we could do it. So I flew there and I got there and the assistant engineer had six or seven Telefunken 251s set up and he had found an acapella of the artist's vocal online and took a speaker and went out and tested to see which one would be the best one (laughs) for the recording. Are you serious? He's like, yeah. I think number three and number four. I'm like, dude, it's cool. We're changing two lines. It's all good. <laughs> and then we ended up doing more stuff, but just the level there, like uh, for guitars, you asked for an acoustic guitar because you left yours at home, and they're like, Which "Is, one it a, do you is want? a Martin okay? Yes. Do you want one that's pre pre war, post war?" Like you know, what decade do you want it from? We have you know, you ask for a, a, a Fender Twin, re, you know, reverb amp, you know, which model? <laughs> what you know, when do you need it? You know, you want so the serial so number to be above you, or yeah, below? 100. Exactly, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and yeah, he designed the room. And actually, recently speaking to George Messenberg, I was doing a session for a charity at his old studio, which is here in Hollywood, yeah. where they cut all the Earth, Wind, and Fire stuff back in the day and that was awesome and they actually have an entire console that's built out of the gml oh wow parts yeah
0: so (laughs) i'm gonna
1: try to i i need the right project to bring there but i'm definitely going to go back there that's like a gml gml console gml console yeah that's insane yeah so i'm definitely going to if i find the right artist that's yeah i'm going to take him there you know what are you working on right now Right now, I have... Well, I'm working with you today. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> next week, I'm starting to mix an album for a girl named Sissy Rocket, who's signed to Universal. I'm also helping my friend to produce a podcast as well. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting and exciting, because I've never done that. It's a very cool thing, I can it's tell awesome. you. It's awesome. It really experience. is, yeah, it really is it makes me you know makes me want to do one as well sometime if I ever get the time,
0: yeah, it takes time, but it's also very rewarding, yeah, it's great fun, yeah, and um, you get to say whatever you want and no censorship,
1: yeah, fuck censorship <laughs> I'm a huge fan of the medium, you yep. know, and I think people that make music for a living can't really fit. Any more musical information into their brains? At least I can't. I can barely remember the name of the song I'm working on that day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'll remember like a couple notes here and there, or maybe a melody, but you know, my brain is fried at this point. We
0: actually had that happening today. Like we wrote a song with a very, very, very clear title. I was started saving it, and I was like, "What's the name of this song?"
2: <laughs>
1: really, for the one today? Yes. <laughs> and I was like, "No way! That's, That's impossible." It's true. It's, it's the memory loss during yeah. creativity. You're up up in something else, and, and
0: like that, even though you just sang or recorded the title being sung a hundred
1: times. Yeah. Something else is going on in, in your head. Going back to talking to things about taste and taste is all about choices and we're I'm not belittling anybody else's chosen path or career, but there's jobs where you don't need to make very many choices every day. Yeah. And there's jobs when you need to make way more choices than being a musician or an engineer. But we make a lot of choices, a lot of little micro shifts a thou- all day, thousands small decisions, so, thousands of small decisions. I think it's what keeps you your mind fresh in this business, and in a sense, it does keep you young. You know, I'm as I said, I'm 41. You know, a lot of my friends that aren't in the music business stop listening to music. 15 years ago, 10 years ago, you know, I'll jump in their car and I'll be like, Hey, check this out. (laughs) And they'll be like, Oh, that's cool. And then they'll put on some shit, some old school hip hop. I'm like, Dude, I don't want to fucking listen to that shit. You know, like (laughs) I do, but I don't. You know, like I do, but I don't. Yeah, but you have
0: to, well, nobody has to do anything, but I try to limit how much old music I can listen to. Yeah. Because it's so easy to just get comfortable in having a playlist with your favorite songs, so to speak. Yeah. And then, just listen to those fifty five songs over and over again,
1: yeah, well, because I' mean, it's it's the whole psychology of music is tied to moments in time, yeah, you know, and we just happen to be fortunate enough to be making those moments in time or being part of those moments in time, yeah, so we I don't think we have the same attachment to old stuff as much, you know,
0: yeah, hopefully that's true, hopefully, if you could look into the future what would you think is going to happen to like the recording industry in terms of both equipment wise and style wise and
1: equipment wise it's uh, i said this to you before i mean technology has always dictated recorded music so you know do i think people are going to be mixing records on their phones probably not but things are just going to get better and better and better and louder and bigger and badder (laughs) because that's human nature, is to take everything too far. You know, I think that today is the most exciting day for recorded music because literally anybody and everybody, they all can pretty much get the same tools. We maybe have the luxury of owning some pieces of gear and having certain speakers, but the meat and potatoes of what you can get or download off of a Russian site can (laughs) literally put you in the same league equipment-wise as anybody else Yeah, and having the ability to do that. You know, taste-wise, where I think music is going is, I don't know, I think that it's just going to continue to evolve. You know, things are going to evolve. I think that music makers and people that love music are going to continue to evolve and And then we're all going to continue to find new styles, and those styles are going to come from somebody else's good idea, and then they're going to be built upon, and that, and it's just going to go over and over and over and over and over again. That's quite a hopeful way of looking at it. Yeah, creativity is creativity, and you can not like something for personal reasons, but it it would be stupid to hate it for for anything else. You know, people are people; they're going to do what they do. You know
0: speaking of doing what you do, if someone listening right now would want to do exactly what you do, like being an engineer here in L.A., Mm -hmm.
1: what kind of tips would you have for them? Uh, Well, this is my number one tip for anybody who wants to be in the music business, is that you have to understand that the music business is not an equal opportunity employer. It's not like you can, in any facet of the job, it's not like you can go get a job. And then two years later, you get a better job. And then three years later, you get a raise. And then you get this. And then you get that. It's not like that. You have to make your own luck. And if someone wanted to come to LA, I would say have enough money to give yourself enough time to make your own luck. Yeah. Get in with the right people. Uh, Get in at a studio doing the type of music that you prefer so if you're a hip-hop fan, don't go get a job at Capitol Studios recording orchestras. You'll no. be miserable. Go get a job at Encore working with DJ Mustard. Yep. You know? uh, surround yourself with people that are better than you and try to learn as much as you can. And sometimes you can get the biggest opportunity from doing the littlest thing. Like if you come to L.A. and have to get somebody's food at a studio, do it the right way. <laughs> yep. Do it well you know whatever there is anything there is to do is worth doing well so that's good advice yeah whatever you do do it well always and be in it always Sean
0: thank you so much for joining us today in our very first English (laughs) Musikprodpoden episode (laughs) hope you guys (laughs) enjoyed it (laughs) yeah I bet they did and for those who want to know more and connect with you we'll put some links on uh, the website as usual Musikfrotpodden.se sneestreck-pod. And thank you again. Have an amazing night. You too. Thanks. Cheers. Bye.